Welcome uh, to the first ever podcast by Visible Miles. Uh, I'm your host, Simon. Uh, to the left of me, uh, we have our special guest, Robbie. Uh, and to the left of him, we uh, have the old faithful Eric. Um, I'm faithful. Indeed you are. Old, old faithful. <laughs> so what is uh, Visible Miles? And I suppose, what the fuck are we doing all this shit for in the first place? I've been wondering. Um, yeah, I imagine we're all wondering. Um, so we are basically uh, going to be a platform dedicated to video games uh, and video game culture. Uh, the idea is it's going to be um, a weekly podcast, uh, pretty much available on any platform. Um, and we're going to throw a video out on YouTube. Uh, ideas to do it, yeah. Dedicated to games, games-related news. Do it every week, um, and that's pretty much the whole idea for the podcast. Um, I think things are going to change over time, and we're going to mix it up. We're going to bring new people in, uh, people from the industry, um, people with general passions about video games uh, to talk about uh, things, reasons why they love it. And um, yeah, that's the podcast. Uh, in terms of like the other stuff that we're going to do, Visible Miles is essentially um, going to be a website product. Uh, as crazy as that sounds, in like 2019, yeah, uh, we're building a website. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the website's going to contain news, reviews, opinions, events. Um, it's basically going to be a place where the whole gaming community can come together and feel like they can share their opinions uh, about the things that they love to do with video games and not be bombarded by like ads and pop-ups and people chasing their data and <laughs> shill coverage uh it's gonna be yeah it's gonna be like a, a nice safe space for uh, for video games safe space awesome <laughs> I, all right we're, we're doing um, christening my eulogy yeah That's, there we go uh we're, we're, we're probably getting a little off key there um i guess what people are probably going to want to know is why we're doing it um yeah. and the reason why we're doing this is because we're actually like the three of us are super passionate about video games well why don't we start off with uh while we're going into that i have a lot inside my head knowing why this is a good idea but why don't we let start me off let with... Me, let me just interject very quickly and explain to everyone why we're drinking champagne. Because I think we're going to look like complete fucking assholes. Uh, we are drinking champagne because... Well, I was Prosecco, first of all, <laughs> off the bat. So uh, It was my 34th birthday uh, yesterday. Um, all right, well, let's, let's clap. Thank you. See you. Another... The fifth anniversary of his 29th birthday. By this time, a lot of folks are not in good spirits, surrounded by friends. Well, so, and imagine that I paid you guys to be here right now to pretend to be my friends uh, for, for this podcast. Hey, you're doing better than others. <laughs> so, yes, it was my birthday yesterday. Uh, I really uh, have... Uh, Eric and I have been building this platform behind the scenes for uh, almost close to two years now. Um, we are building the website from the ground up, which means this is not based on like WordPress. It's not based on Squarespace or any of those existing like Wix style technologies. Uh, we are ourselves developers and designers that have been in the industry for, for a long fucking time. I'd say like a combined about 35 years. Yeah, yeah, easily. Yeah. Um, but uh, a thing that you were saying earlier about like a uh, ad-free space and uh, whatnot, a big thing to me is um, I think that in uh, 2019, 2020, the next big trend is really going to be taking the web back from like, you know, the corporate thing that it's become. Yes. I've been uh, talking with a lot of people about, uh, you know, open standard social media, RSS, Instagram, and like, you know, we use these things because we like them. 
they have these good uh, things about them, but they're weaponized. Mm-hmm. I think and they're really cool. Uh, Sorry, I don't want to interrupt you. That's okay. Um, but like visible miles, I think is also kind of a part of that. Like it's not going to be another <laughs> quake. Uh, come up with a uh, extinct uh, game like Planet Quake. <laughs> yeah. It's not going to be Planet Web Ring. Um, <laughs> this, this is a chance. Uh, just, just. What to... was even the recent like? Uh, what was even the recent Kickstarter one? Um... Oh, uh, Venus Patrol. Yeah, Venus Patrol. Venus yeah. Patrol. We're not going to be I another mean... Venus Patrol. Although I, I, I really. Uh... And so that that one cut to the heart for me because I when, really thought that was going to be when he was writing and when thing. he was updating. I mean, it was really first class, and uh, yeah. the follow through wasn't quite there. It's a shame. Um, wish you well if you're out there. Mm. Um, Get in touch because if you want to come on, oh hell yeah, yeah. that'd be great. I'd I mean, love to have you. we should uh, we should do like uh, visible miles from uh, Austin this uh, spring. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. In fact, uh, yeah, maybe a South by Southwest interactive. We are definitely going to be traveling around. That that much is for sure. So expect to see us uh, pop up at most major gaming events. Not all of them, um, but most of them. Uh, we. I'm not going to PAX North. Um, I'm definitely going to PAX North. You're going to PAX That's North. That's the only one I'm going to. Well, have a have a great time without me. <laughs> okay. Um, you, you can like bring a little like a paper cut out of me and like Robbie will just like kind of hold it. Uh, yeah. I, I, I want to try and get to, to as many as we can because um, I mean at the end of the day like this is what it's all about. Like we're, we're looking to do honest like coverage about what's happening in the gaming industry. Like um, we have a bunch <coughs> of friends that are going to come on here. They're going to talk about their experience working actually in the video game industry which I think is going to be great. So take a step back for a second. Like uh, a lot of some of the issues that we've seen raised with like uh, with podcasting in general, like uh, YouTube videos and, and people who are doing coverage of the video game industry has been, in, I, I wouldn't say like overwhelmingly negative um, in the last couple of years. And that, that's... Oh, the past couple of years have been overwhelmingly negative. I, yeah, for one reason or another. Definitely. Oh, I don't think they're overwhelmingly I think they're just not to the point. They're not, <clears throat> it's not about video games anymore. It's about other shit. Shock value. Uh, right. So actually on that note, I want to bring this back to a specific video game that I think is extremely, uh, a lot of people would say it's mundane, it's pedestrian, but I think socially speaking, it's one of the most important video games of all time. Oh, uh, no, mental note, pedestrian, the video game. Go on. <laughs> uh, so generally speaking, this is, uh, you know, as far as what the youth are playing, this is the most important one. And it's Fortnite. Hmm. So I want... Never what, heard of it. So, what I want to talk about with Fortnite is how Fortnite is simultaneously social media property. Like, you'll have people playing Fortnite, not really playing the game. They're just, like, talking with their friends. Mm -hmm. And so, it's half that, and it's half an FPS. And what I think is really cool about that is it sort of talks to um, the other stuff that we were talking about earlier on, which is that people think that video games are this thing that exist in sort of in isolation but that's not true video games are actually a key component of human social interaction Mm -hmm. and a lot of people really miss this i think it's very unfortunate because i do think there's a generational aspect to that but let's be fully honest here um video games are very very social Mm -hmm. it's all about who you play with and and you know i mean some video obviously i don't want to make a generalization there but what i think is so interesting about fortnite is that it bucked and broke the trend it said hey video games are actually part of how an entire generation socializes Mm -hmm. they don't they actually are sick and tired of facebook twitter youtube myspace they'll deal with them 
but when you're dealing with a really close friend or confidant. So you think Fortnite is the new social network? Uh, I'm not saying that it is. All I'll I'm saying. I'll tell you what it is. It's the new uh, pool. Um, back when I was uh, 17 years old, uh, my friends and I would uh, skip hot class. When the, when the all dinosaurs the time. roamed the earth. Yeah. Well, actually, I, I want to talk about. <laughs> all that right. Now. All right. Let's. No, no, no. I'm I'm the old man here. That's that's. I want to talk about that in a minute. But um, we would uh, skip class. We'd go to a pool hall. Uh, most of them would smoke, um, and we would play pool. Um, I didn't like pool. I, you know, have never given uh, two craps about pool. But we would just do it all the time. Why? Because, you know to talk to each other we had to kind of be doing something it isn't just mm -hmm. like sitting at a table with a champagne right it was casual it was casual uh, <laughs> yeah yeah and so You're i trying to say this isn't casual <laughs> what uh i i find a, a you know a good question about what you just said is like how much of a fortnite success is due to it being i play fortnite because that's where my friends are and how much of it is due to it actually being a good game like maybe it's not i, I I have no idea. I think it's both. I mean, you know, the mechanics of Fortnite are fairly simple. It combines like an FPS with a MOBA. So there's a little bit for everyone. That right? creeps? What? Does it have creeps? Um, I think the creeps are the other players because they're, you know, with the Fortnite era games, you have a lot of people in a map, just like an FPS. It's just. Yeah, the, I guess it's an arena. The FPS, right, it, it pulls the MOBA into the FPS world rather than the other way around. Okay, I um, And that's what's kind of fun about it is if you really want to get into it, you can really go into the world building aspect of it. You want to do the game management that you do the traditional RTS, right? Yeah. Um, could I, uh, actually, I want to take a moment to back up but come back to that. Mm -hmm. um, we are so off script right now. Yes, this, we are this, is, this is a wonderful start. By now, we should be talking <laughs> about Bungie and like... <laughs> Um, who is um, Simon Corey and uh, why do we care about his uh, opinion on a video game? I'm glad oh, you asked true. because uh, this is actually uh, one of the introduction points. Um, who are we? <laughs> We're back on script. Yeah. Awesome. It's <laughs> <laughs> a, a wonderful segue. Thank you, Eric. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, so a couple of things I wanted to know. Yeah, like um, I, I mentioned very briefly that we're doing this because we're passionate, but like, what does it matter? Um, so I started off saying like, uh, Gaming coverage has been overwhelmingly negative, or for me at least, it feels that way. And I, I don't know if you guys agree, but like the last two, three, maybe even four years, like it's I been feel a like really the, rough two or three or four years. The traditional, like um, yeah. the 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 sort of traditional outlets um, feel like they've been fighting tooth and nail for relevancy with um, with Twitch, with YouTube, uh, etc. for for at least four or five years. I don't think that one is better than the other. Um, and I don't think we should be here to play that game. Um, I think there's really important coverage coming out of, uh, let's say like Jason Schreier from Kotaku. You realize we're actually doing coverage of coverage. We're doing coverage of coverage. Well, actually we're not, we're doing opinion, I guess. We're doing like an op-ed right now. We're the comment section. We, we're the gross, disgusting- Comment yeah. section. <laughs> um, no, I but think- uh, let, let me, I'll, I'll just, I'll finish this track and then you guys can like, uh, you can chime in. but. So essentially like, what we're trying to do is um, I want to talk positively about the video game industry. Um, I have spent my entire life um, playing video games. Um, I have both uh, enjoyed um, being a, a, a builder, a producer, a designer of, of video games. Um, uh, and I've also been a player uh, of video games. So I spent some time in the industry and, and, and some time like, you know, just being a, a general gaming schmuck in my basement. Um, so I can see the argument from, from many different sides. Um, and 
one thing that struck me uh, having spent so many years with people who are also inside the industry is just how much passion, energy, and effort goes into making video games. And often we don't see that. Like often we just see the end result uh, and the end result comes basically like a, a, a bolt in the night where a game drops, we play it for five minutes and then we talk about having an opinion uh, about said game. Um, what we don't do is we never cover the stories uh, behind the game. We don't talk about the creators, we don't talk about um, how those games got funding in the first place, uh, maybe certain sacrifices they had to make by publishers that they agreed to do deals with in order to get their dream realized. And I think I want Visible Miles to be a little bit more about those stories. I don't want to just say like, here's some uh, in the moment news coverage uh, of one particular thing. Uh, I want us to do deep dives into the creators behind like video games. I'm a designer, somewhat of a tinkering engineer as well. I've worked in the startup industry for the last like 15, 20 years. Um, some of that has been with games. Some of that has been with like uh, Silicon Valley based like product stuff. I feel like I'm in kind of a unique, a unique place to help elevate some of these stories about creators. And what are you enough about me? Let's talk about no, Robbie. no. I, I don't think uh, that that's not where I want things to end. Be describing it. I don't think that is how you would describe your connection to video games. But what someone asks you is like, all right, what are your favorite video games? What do you like the most about video? What got you into video games? The first that, that, place? that's actually a, a point in the script for later on. Fuck your script. Guide, outline, not a script. <laughs> let's just actually not a script. Uh, like forget I'm, I'm your so script. Let, let's um, let's take one of the points and bring them like. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. No. Like. Okay. You know, to go off script again, the number one thing you can't do with a podcast is build a script into it. We're gonna get to all those points, but yeah. the people in the room are gonna do that their own manner and their own direction. So if you if you so can take that in if at you, first. If you can't tell, like we are. This is our first ever podcast, and I think we're going to make a lot of mistakes along the way. Um, I hope you guys give us the time to like to work on it, and your feedback is always welcome <laughs> to whether we're doing this right or whether we're really just royally screwing shit up. Um, you know, to your point, so there's something interesting to add to that, actually. Okay, um, yeah, you're right. Like, I grew up in England. Um, this podcast is being recorded in New York for anyone who's interested, and uh, both Robbie and Eric are American, so. Uh, I'm a bit of an outlier in this like little group. Um, I was born and raised in England, um, a little city called Plymouth. Um, and I grew up just before, I, I suppose around about the time that consoles were like, were starting to blow up. So the, um, the Sega like master system was on the scene, had just arrived um, and it was super expensive and my family couldn't afford it. So what we actually had, my first ever video game console was the Spectrum Amstrad. Um, so yeah, I grew up with like video cassette tape based video games. Um, and my dad brought the console home like uh, one day um, and taught me basically some basic stuff about, uh, about basic, actually about basic the language, uh, the programming language. So how to like um, put in tapes, how to run them, um, how to get games to actually work. Did and in you, fact, uh... those days it wasn't as simple as just popping it in, hoping it would like, it would work. Um, you actually had to put it in and there would be some magic involved in like in getting the thing to actually um, uh, to actually start but it kick-started my passion basically for, for video games because I I became obsessed with how they worked not just were they good 
Just so basic, I have to ask, uh, when you were a kid, did you do the thing where you went to like Radio Shack or whatever the UK equivalent Radio Shack is, go to the Tandy, type in 10 space print butts, yeah. 20 space go to <laughs> 10, enter, run. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's kind of way. Uh, no, I just go. But also like, um, butts. so. I did that in the Apple store, except with the text to speech. So just all the last, like, <laughs> but there were different accents, like butts. Boots, boots, boots. What is that? What accent is that? Um, <laughs> that is uh, Mexican Spanish slowed down to ninety beats per minute. Okay, that's that's. I would say that's a particular, like a specific. It you know, is. Accent. It is. There's boots. That's the Finnish accent slowed down to ninety beats per minute. Mm. The funny thing is, if you slow accents down to ninety beats per minute, they don't sound anything like the original accent. That's fascinating. Yep. Anyways, so uh, well, I guess now is the time for me to talk. Hi, hi, folks. My name is Robbie. I'm never look directly at the camera, isn't that right? Well, fuck off. Um, <laughs> I, I think you gotta occasionally acknowledge the camera. Well, yeah, it's like, I, I can never remember this. You like, gotta I, talk to the fourth wall, and uh, I, I feel like I was told this in like media studies, um, fucking twenty years ago. Um, like never to look directly into the camera because you break the fourth wall. No, that's the point. Yeah, but that's if you're acting. That's, that's the... fiction. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Is this we're... not fiction? No, we're doing podcasts. This so is closer means... to like a news report where it's like, and now Robbie with the weather. Right, right. The whole point is that you go back and forth between the fourth wall. Okay. So let me, let me, so getting back onto you know, my narrative and what got me into video games. Um, the very first console I ever got, and I remember this uh, really, really specifically because it was one of those places where I really thought my dad's the more lenient parent my mom's the hard ass mm -hmm. and my dad was like no you can't get him a video game console he's going to waste all his time my mom was like no she didn't say this uh, at the time but I knew she was getting it she's like no computers are the way forward if he gets a console it's going to cement his love of computing and that's going to be very positive for him so my mom was like I know you think I'm full of shit right now, but let him get the console. Mm -hmm. And so my first console uh, was a Game Boy Pocket. And my first game was Pokemon Red. Knew it. Mm. And it, it was just fantastic. It was hands down. It still is, I think, one of the best games of all time. Uh, it, it is an RPG that cemented a different kind of an RPG. It was an RPG where you didn't just sort of like be, you weren't bound to characters along the way. You picked and you chose and you fought uh, like anonymous entities that you either made part of your team or you didn't. And that went down the game in a very, very deep level. Competitive Pokemon battling online today is a extremely challenging thing to do properly because it's such a complex uh, thing to do. To even get a competitive team, you have to be aware of the metagame. What's in the overused tier? What's in the Ubers tier? What's mm -hmm. in the underused tier? Uh, you have to know how EVs work. You can't allocate uh, effort points that make your stats go higher evenly. You can only split them across a couple. Uh, it's just brutally complicated. And to top things off, uh, there's an ELO system at the Tops Gaming Simulator, which is Pokemon Showdown. Uh, how, uh, how old were you when the uh, this Game Boy came into your life? Eight. Eight years old? Okay. Yeah. So... I really love games like Pokemon, uh, and this is part of why I love video games, by the way. There's a low threshold to start in. Uh, you don't have to be a pro to start playing it, start enjoying it, start loving it.
but to really be the best at it, it's really, really hard. So the other game that is another one of my favorite games is Super Smash Brothers Melee. The whole Super Smash Bros. franchise, which includes Ultimate, which came out recently, is one of my favorite games because, again, the skill threshold and barrier is extremely high. Mm. Um, but at the same time, it's a game that you can play with your friends when you're drunk. And it's much... It's worth tonight's heading, by the way. It's much more... Well, <laughs> are, you well still, me... are you still eight years old, by the way? What? Are you still eight years old in this narrative? Um, no, I'm 10 years old at this point, okay. playing so Fox. So playing Drunk Fox with your friends. Well, I'm not drunk because I'm 10. 10. Well, that's kind of what I was asking. Right. The first time I played uh, Super Smash Bros. against my friends and I was fucked up, I was on acid playing 100 stock uh, as King Dedede and chain grabbing my friend for four hours. <laughs> that's a different story. We won't get in that right now. We'll leave that to well, another That's day. a whole episode right there. Right. Yeah. So, uh, but what I love about Super Smash Brothers... Uh, the... By the way, if you want to see uh, Eric, uh, or sorry, Robbie, um, Robbie, play off his face, uh, you know, just let us know in the comments and uh, we'll, we'll set that up. It's not, uh, it's not fun for the other party, but for you, my dear viewers, it is very, very fun. Because you get to see me impersonate a giant fat penguin and chain grab someone over and over again, throw them off Hyrule Temple... And say fuck twelve. Is, uh, you better believe we're here for that. Is is drunk Twitch already a thing? It seems like that. Was oh yeah, it's definitely a thing. Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, okay. Well, it, it's like drunk history. We right? can do. That um, a thing. We can also do cleavage Twitch as well. Like that's a big thing. So yeah. if you well, no, I know. Just, like, All right, I knew titty Twitch. No, no. Let's let's bring it in. Is that not the kind of show we want to be, folks? The male cleavage, I feel, does not get enough like airtime. We will say nothing about. Uh, cleavage Twitch. We are neutral about this point. We are going to move on to more titty wholesome Twitch. Talk. Come on, it's, well, t- it's titty Twitch. I mean, we're 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 boys. Neutral. Boys, bring it in. We neutral have... in the sense that we feel like we could do titty Twitch. Boys, I haven't finished talking about uh, why. <laughs> what you got to do Super is Smash like Bros. you put on some uh, bronzer to like kind of like definitely get the light. Oh, yeah. Are we not wearing bronzer right now? Uh, I left mine at home. Oh, okay. I could do with some bronzer. I'm gonna talk about you two. Uh, talk with you two after the camera shuts off <laughs> about proc marketing, and then we're going to leave that there. So let's get back to Visible Miles, brought to you by So and So Bronzer. <laughs> let's talk. It, it makes your titties look full and healthy and glowing, like you just came off of Miami let's Beach. Let's talk about um, the last bit about Super Smash Bros. that I love and I want to bring out before I move on to Eric and he will mm-hmm. bring out what he loves about these. So I love Super Smash Brothers, and especially uh, drunk Super Smash Brothers, is that even people who don't consider themselves gamers love it. And that's what I love about Super Smash Brothers, and also video games in general. I think there are a lot of cultural barriers in place that stop people from realizing that video games are about enjoying them, and if they're multiplayer, the people you're around. Super Smash Brothers really succeeded in making a goofy, cartoony game that you can play casually while drunk. And it's really hard, mm. but it's still a really good game. Even someone who isn't amazing at it can come in, play with someone who's like super pro, and they'll have a good time. You know, that's really hard to do in terms of game design. So I, I got to question that for a second because I, by no means, um, consider myself to be any good. Smash. In fact, I'm probably one of the worst people to play with. 
I find the learning curve to Smash incredibly difficult. Um, it, it's there is a lot to take in, and there is a lot of action on the screen, and the screen is always moving, and the focus is always expanding, like and zooming. So, yeah, I have a hard time with it. Like, do you, do you think it's truly as accessible as you as you're saying? I think it's as accessible as an FPS is. Like, uh, you so the way to have a good time playing smash is to play in a larger group so you don't want to play a one-on-one so you want to play like a you know a a four person free-for-all it's sort of like an fps in that you know some people are really good some people won't be at that level but the more people there are the more diversity you have in terms of skill levels and then there's like funny things gonna happen like I might not be good, but like I'm gonna peg this really good person on my map. And I'm just gonna follow them. Right. I'm gonna get one kill and help this other person. Like it's all the shifting political alliances that come with it that make it funny and also kind of fun. So here's a guilty secret. Uh, secret actually, um, I had never played Smash until um, I, I want to say four, yeah, about four years ago. Um, I was living in San Francisco at the time, and uh, I went. I was uh, hanging out at the uh, Patreon uh, offices. Um, and we were like, there's basically, they're just doing like a big smash, like gaming night, uh, mm-hmm. which is pretty normal for those guys. Uh, so someone had a mean controller. It was the first time I'd ever played like uh, smash. And was it a Wii U? Which is like it was Wii U. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I got my ass absolutely handed to me on a plate so much so that people looked like clearly just looked at me like, who the fuck is this guy who <laughs> invited this chump, uh, into the party? And um, ever since then, I had like a, a, a strange sort of fascination with the series. Um, so I went back and I tried to play some of the earlier games um, and just like tried to out and ask people their opinions about it. And so when um, uh, when Ultimate launched on the Switch, I, I got it on day one. Like it was just mm-hmm. something that I just needed to try out. Um, and you and I were playing it like yeah. uh, like last week or whatever. And um, you were kicking my ass like easily because. Um, no matter how often I seem to play that game, I just like I can't pick it up. Well, I think uh, I I think it's more you aren't at the basic points of like figuring out how to fuck people over in the game, which is like competency, right? You have to learn how to people when they play Super Smash Brothers, they have strategies, and you'll pick up really quickly what their strategies are if that's what you're trying to figure out. Mm-hmm. So. Usually, the way that I've seen most Smash matches played is there is an introductory period where both players are like cagey. They've got a lot of distance between each other. They want to see how the other person plays. Um, it's really a psychological game more than anything else. I was wondering if like some of it has to do with the fact. I mean, I grew up with Sega, like um, mm-hmm. in the UK and lot, Sony. You have Sega and Sony. Uh, yeah, so a lot, yeah. a lot of people in the in Europe will probably have a similar experience. Mm. Actually. Um, one of my friends that I'm going to bring on to the podcast in a few weeks, um, he, you know, he grew up in um, in, a, in a very different like uh, climate, but with the same sort of experience with Sega. Uh, so I'm wondering if like if some of it is because I didn't grow up in a Nintendo ecosystem. So can I uh, uh, jump in? Actually, um, not, not all, this, is not, this is not a podcast for you. <laughs> well, I I wanted to uh, get my own introduction in, but also oh sorry yeah address yeah. that point yeah. Um, so uh, I'm Eric Eric Jacobson. Um, I've been playing games since, uh, like, basically, I think my first game is about 1982. Uh, Before we were born. Before we were born. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's interesting, um, this uh, Sega thing you were just talking about, because between the three of us, like, we really do 
represent, I think, three very distinct um, generations mm -hmm. of uh, gamers. Um, you, you talk about Sega and the Master System and whatnot, but really, I think you're of the NES era. Yeah, that sure. that was like yeah. what they're, was they're competing consoles. Yeah. yeah, competing consoles, but that was the period. And then you were of kind of the immediately following uh, generation, and yet you you've been talking an awful lot about games as uh, social, and uh, I mean that's not my background at all. But like mm -hmm. you could, I think you could look at the uh, Game Boy as maybe like the first like social gaming platform because the Game Boy can go in your backpack and come out at lunchtime and you and your friends and uh, I think Link in, cable yeah link yep, cable. yep yeah 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 the, uh, the the sharing with the uh, link cable you can trade Pokemon yeah exactly and if you if you would you do that? Was that was that a shame? yes and even beyond that if you start trying to level up a shared Pokemon they grow much more quickly because Nintendo wanted to encourage the link cable yeah well and i wanted to say that um i got my uh, niece and nephew a uh, nintendo switch for uh, christmas uh, just a couple weeks ago and along with that i got them uh, two more joy cons there's like four joy cons mm -hmm. um, with the family now and it's i think very striking that nintendo is the only manufacturer the only platform that is really thinking about this stuff like yeah. You know, Sony does a lot of things right, but what they don't do is make a console that is just crying for four people to crowd around the game and get in. Like, I know there are four-player games, so there's PlayStation, of course. They're, they're always after very different demographics. I think um, Nintendo I think, was... I was going to say, I think that um, the striking thing also about the uh, Nintendo Switch is that it really caught um, Microsoft and uh, Sony with their pants down. Uh, I don't think they were. Expecting. All right, let's not use that phrase. Uh, that's that is a little. You think that's a loaded phrase? It is. It is. Uh, let's let's rephrase <laughs> well, this. We'll come back in a later episode as to why uh, Robbie believes that that's. Uh... Let, let's just say that Nintendo was uh, there on the top of their game there, and Microsoft and Sony are, shall we say, they're a bit sloppy there. Yeah. And You'll it, notice generation, uh, like how the uh, the sensitivity works uh, <laughs> as it goes from insensitive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, but, uh, here's another thing I want to come to is that you know we've talked about multiple generations. There's Eric's generation, there's Simon's generation, there's my generation, and then there's your generation as well. There's a generation that is younger than any of us, and I want to say you folks are the future. Whippersnappers. We believe that. We're, shut up. You shut up. You know who you're talking. Okay. I do know I'm talking to you right now, and <laughs> um, we're really, really excited to see what you guys do and what you gals and uh, envy folks of color, whatever, do with video games. Because at the end of the day, uh, where we're all right now, it's so much easier to make video games. Just the other day, I looked at Unreal Engine 4. There is a built-in, I love it, so another game I've loved recently that's super simple, Hearthstone. Not, not particularly complicated, but I just love everything about it. It's a cool game. It's a cool game. And you can make a Hearthstone of yourself. You can buy a CCG kit Sorry, for it, Unreal 4. Is it Hearthstone or Hearthstone? Hearthstone. 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 Um, you can buy a kit and make a copy of that in your bedroom today. And your generation is going to do that. Or you're already doing that. And I think that's what's so cool. And that's why I really want to make sure uh, as we're pinging things out, what's your opinion? about like where games are right now you know what sort of made you want to play video games uh how's that is it a way to escape from people is it a way to 
become closer with other people. Maybe both, you know? For me, video games are always a multiple of the two. And I think we're all really curious about hearing that. So definitely, yeah. Please, please drop. Um, feel free to drop any comments uh, about your experience uh, growing up. Like, what was your first console? Uh, was it even a console? Was it a PC? Like, you know, um, yeah. Tell, tell us about it. Like, uh, love to hear it. So, Eric, do you have anything else to add to your your introduction, or are you? Um, I get uh, this thing back on track. It's so, like... what was your first console, Eric? It was a uh, PC, right? No, it was a uh, well, it was an Atari Twenty Six Hundred. I felt like I felt like um, you were you started off with PC. I don't know why. Well, I mean, we had an Atari Twenty Six Hundred, and we played like all the same crappy games that everybody else did. Um, mm -hmm. it, did you have a favorite game there? Uh, yeah, probably the Empire Strikes Back one. Mm -hmm. um, like it, it the, the thing about I, I don't really have a good enough understanding of uh, how they work, but there's this fascinating thing with. Uh, the Atari Twenty Six Hundred and uh, the con the the inputs, um, the joystick and the uh, scroller wheel. Um, the latency was like non-existent. Mm. Like it, it had a sort of responsiveness um, that is is just unparalleled. Um, so yeah, with uh, <laughs> yeah, two quick memories. Uh, like with Empire Strikes Back, I mean, you could just take a speeder and whip it around in circles. It was uh, very very exciting, and then. Uh, this uh, Pac-Man game, which was like really bad. It was a very bad port of Pac-Man. But I uh, one day played it for so long that like I, I basically like kind of maxed out the points, like it wouldn't go any higher. And I had memorized a particular pattern around the uh, maze mm -hmm. that where I could like, you know, win it every time and again mm -hmm. and again. And I think I might have like died once on every go round, but also earned mm. an extra life for another go round, and that just kept going on for like maybe an hour or two until like the uh, thing got accidentally unplugged by a vacuum cleaner or something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, that was a very real like scare back then. Yeah, yeah. But uh, my my real uh, first experience with video games was uh, I, I was in a uh, shopping mall with my father, and I saw King's Quest mm. by uh, Sierra. Mm, and uh, I want to do a whole thing on Sierra Online because that oh, is yeah. fascinating. Old I watch Sierra, um, old I, I watch a few uh, channels on uh, on YouTube and uh, shout out to uh, Metal Jesus um, because and that may sound like a made up name, um, but it's not. It's a great channel. Um, I, I watch his stuff all the time, and uh, a couple of the guys that he has on there, like all um, him himself included, actually they're they're ex uh, Sierra Online guys. They mm. do fascinating pieces on mm. like that. Uh, Rob Lowe, the uh, Leisure Suit Larry guy. Um, made they did, the they did a whole piece. Is it uh, yeah. not the same person as in Parks Rec, Rob Lowe? No, not that guy. Uh, <laughs> different, different Rob Lowe. But he uh, found uh, his uh, floppy five and a quarter inch floppy disks of a source code. So and all I can say is go and watch the Metal Jesus channel because oh. he does. They do a whole piece on it. It's awesome. Cool. Anyway, so I saw King's Quest and I was like, Dad, I want that. And he's like, eh, This kind of looks like crap. Um, you know, this doesn't like look like it would actually be like challenging. I, I, it's weird because I don't. He's, he has not played a game in his entire life, and I don't even know why he would have an opinion on that. Except that at the time he was very skeptical of graphics in general. He like he thought Macintoshes were bullshit. Um, and it's just like yeah, MS DOS all the way. Um, instead, he got me this game called uh, Zork by uh, Infocom, mm. and um, it was a text adventure, 
and um, I got sucked in. And uh, damn, your dad's a G. It was actually, and, and a, a year Taking before this, over King's class. That's it, like legit. well, well, yeah. it was very interesting yeah. because a year before that, I had a typing class in uh, school, and uh, I hated it because I was like, I don't understand why I'm doing this. I'm like a type yeah. for a living. Like, and then I got uh, Zork, and I'm like playing. And after a few months, I realized I was really like, typing at like a hundred, you know, hundred words per minute or whatever. Yeah. And I hadn't even realized it. I had picked up that skill. Right. But, uh, you know, the Infocom world, like, they have these uh, games, uh, you know, like, actually not just, like, co-written co by, but written by people like Douglas Adams, mm -hmm. um, bureau bureaucracy. So, like, someday I want to try and get the uh, intellectual property of bureaucracy and try and make an updated version because <laughs> that game is nuts. Well, speaking of um, which, uh, you know, uh, the IP for a bunch of 1922 novels just went public domain, so... Yeah, that's true. Mm. That's true. I don't know when that... I mean, the Douglas Adam games are gonna go PD. I don't think I'm, I'm going I'm to... Gonna, uh, yeah, I think, I think we're both... We're all gonna be dead before that happens. Yeah. And we listen to this right now, we'll probably all... I'm gonna, dead, I'm gonna inject real quick and uh, as a moderator here. Uh, we are going to move on to uh, gaming news. Um, so this is a segment actually we want to do in the... Is there a gaming news theme? Da, da, news, news, gaming news. So to give a little bit of background for Robbie, he's um, not only a friend of the channel, um, but also an awesome like uh, creator of, of audio content. Um, and uh, he will be writing scores for us uh, at some point for these podcasts. And content. 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 Ooh, um, that's it, that's it. Content, like, like a design process. That is content. like another thing. Content is it? This is content. Yeah, yeah. this is content. content. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So we'll, we'll make a whole series of that. This is. Uh, I'm sorry. That's a, this, we're we're going totally inside uh, baseball right now. Um, but yeah. Man, you are listening to a lot of podcasts. Robbie. <laughs> Robbie is uh, <laughs> is going to do do our scores for us, and I, I bet it's going to be awesome. I, I asked for like uh, eight bit chip tones. We'll see. Where, we'll see where we land. Um, but yeah. Anyway, it's we're going to do more Zelda themed than. Uh, I'm totally okay with that. He's going to do 9-bit just to fuck with you. Yeah, just, yeah. Clear. No, 12-bit. Wait a minute. This doesn't sound like 8-bits. There's 9. 9 and a half? <laughs> Not this... of you will know the difference between 8-bits and 9, 10, 11, 12-bit. Yeah, but Robbie will, will spend an hour on this podcast. I, I will time. actually get angry and uh, talk for hours about when you see uh, pixel artwork that is clearly of a uh, 16-bit era inspired like Super Nintendo and they call it 8-bit because let me tell you folks, 8-bit is like all muddy browns and greens. 8-bit art is not good. Like it's actually 16-bit, yeah. but you know, yeah. it's, we don't call it that because fuck. Well, because it's like they, they use 8-bit uh, as a shortcut to say retro, but they should really just say retro because that's what they're referring to. Well, uh, it, yeah. More on that later. <laughs> For now, uh, let's Gaming move on. Gaming news, news, um, news. Yeah, so again, we're going to do like uh, a weekly segment about, you know, the sort of gaming uh, news roundup of what's happened the last week. And I wrote down a few like um, pieces for us to, to sort of just quickly chat over, which I think are like the standout stories for this week. Um, going forward, it won't all be me uh, and my bias. Um, everyone else will be giving a crack at like um, putting in their own pieces. Uh, for what they think is actually interesting. But uh, if you hate this week's uh, gaming news update, you can blame me entirely because it's my fault. You also blame the world for having really bad news in general. Uh, you can do that as well. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I do. 
Um, I wanted to sort of go all over the map a bit because this week is sort of heavily dominated by um, CES, uh, CES 2019. Does anybody it call it CES? Nobody calls it CES. No, they don't do that. I think it's just CES. Me. CES, yeah. right? Oh, yeah, CES. Consumer Electronics Show uh, 2019 happens every year this time. And we get a plethora of information coming in about all the latest like crazy hardware. Um, and obviously a lot of it is gaming focused. Um, but before I jump into to the CES uh, highlights, let's talk a little bit about uh, some of the other big stories of the week. Um, and I think the biggest one, uh, are any of you Destiny fans? Uh, I've, I've read a lot about Destiny. I really want to give it a run through. Uh, I'm very curious about what's going on with Destiny right now. Because so, I've wanted to like start get, like, getting into it. And I think now is probably a good time. I feel like this one's particularly personal to me because Halo was one of my favorite like um, mm -hmm. series almost of all time, uh, which is bizarre for me because I'm not a typically an FPS kind of guy, but um, I am a and not a, uh, was a not an Xbox FPS. kind of guy either. Yeah, uh, not really, but I also um, picked the 360 over the PS3. You did mostly because it was I I I feel like it was better marketed in the UK when I was still living there, okay. um, and also uh, it was cheaper. I didn't have a lot of money back then. Oh, at some point. Well, I mean, the early days of that console generation, the Xbox had a huge uh, I mean, advantage the, because it's easier to program for. Yes, three was like out. Yeah, so well, yeah, it was like five years before yeah, the PS3 I, I, they yeah, could make I, good games. I was also in an awkward position when I was in college, like when the um, 360 like dropped. Um, so I had no money at all. I was like living on student loans, et cetera, et cetera. So for me, it was like, uh, and if anyone's noticing, the reason that Eric keeps getting up is because he's checking on our camera feed. Um, first, first podcast, everybody. First podcast, so we're like, we're just trying to make sure that stuff is actually working. You know what's going to happen is that at the end of this, we're going to figure out that the audio wasn't recording. Um, yeah, I think that's kind of inevitable. Yeah, really. it's going to be a disaster. So, this may be the second or third attempt uh, at recording this podcast. It is. Uh, um, no, no shift tab. Yeah, we're good. yeah we're it's good. recording. It's recording. We're good. We're good. Um, also, I'm probably the wrong person to be in the driving seat. Really, Robbie should be here checking on the audio. But no, you're the moderator. Um, the yeah, so for me, uh, yeah, anyway, uh, Halo is my favorite, uh, one of my favorite series, um, and um, I have probably the most fondest mem like memories uh, with all my friends back home playing like LAN parties with like the original Xbox and, and Halo. Um, so when Destiny came out, uh, when it was first announced, I had money and uh, I had the equipment uh, and I jumped on it. Like, I was like, I was there day one. Uh, actually, I was there for the beta and whatever. But were you ever an Unreal tournament I, person? I loved Unreal. Um, oh, UT was that was my yeah. jam. Yeah, that was Quake Three. Um, but I couldn't. I didn't have the. I didn't have the uh, hardware to play it. I actually had to go around to my friend. Shout out to Darren. Uh, I had to go around to my friend Darren's place uh, and play it because I didn't have anything capable. Do we have any Counter Strike players in the room? Because I always wanted to be into CS, Never. but it was far too hard for me. Uh, in college, in college, my uh, my friends were obsessed with it. Like they were like instead of working, they they were uh, they'd land the uh, well, when we were in the media labs, they'd land everything together and they were just playing CS. To be fair, <laughs> uh, a lot of the the early generation of professional gamers were born from the Counter Strike world, mm -hmm. right? So we have to give shout outs there, and we have to pay our you know respects to where a lot of the pro like gaming uh, world comes from, which is uh, we've got to like honestly say Counter Strike was really hard. And those who are good at Counter Strike were on another level. For uh, absolutely for sure. I mean, um, I, I suppose if we're gonna like 
if we're going to go that far back, then we'll eventually talk about like the origins of Steam and what happened there and all that nonsense. But sure. we'll, I think we'll save that for. I think we'll That's save that another for another episode. Okay, so I want to. Uh, I anyway, want to stay on this uh, Bungie thing. Yeah. So okay. I want to. I want to actually stay talk about Bungie, the, yeah. the 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 reason I'm bringing Bungie up right now. I'm sure all of you guys know, and you've been on top of this because it's uh, you know by now the the news is almost a week old. Um, Bungie uh, obviously owns the rights um, to produce uh, Destiny. Um, but uh, like a lot of people, they have to, um, you know, essentially work with someone that could distribute the game, a publisher. And the publisher that they chose early on uh, was Activision. And at the time it made sense. Um, you know, Activision was willing to take a gamble on, Des uh, on Destiny as a franchise and Bungie was willing to take a gamble on Activision not screwing the whole thing up. Um, they had the leverage, they had the money to, to take, um, I wouldn't say a tried and true formula, but certainly based on the Halo series, like something that they knew could work uh, potentially on a large scale, and certainly with the new um, like uh, world of multiplayer, like it, it it all kind of just made sense. Anyway, the the big news right now is that um, Bungie have split from Activision, um, and from all the reporting that I've seen so far, this seems to have almost um, unilaterally happened on Bungie's side. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So they have essentially become fed up with uh, Activision's requests of uh, here's how we're going to monetize the platform. Here's how we're going to take um, mm. Destiny and here's how we're going to make money uh, year over year over year. And we're going to do this through season passes and okay, if that doesn't work, we're going to do it through microtransactions and if that doesn't work, we're going to do it through loot boxes and if that doesn't work, we're going to try something else, mm. something else, something else, something else. And I think there's only so long um, that a, a creative property can stay under that kind of pressure before it starts to lose its shine. So I think the question for me is like, you know, this isn't the first run around the block for Bungie. No. You know, they're they're a long and very storied company. They have a lot of wins and a lot of experience under their belt. You gotta assume that they know what the industry looks like and what what's Activision gonna be asking and what can Activision deliver? Mm -hmm. So the question right here inside of my mind is um, why they go with Activision in the first place? Because one has to wonder, Activision is going to kind of do things by the book. If you want to, and we all can, inside our head can think about why they, they went their separate ways, and it makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. But the question is, why didn't this happen earlier on? Why did it happen right now? I think that's the so this is the the million dollar question right now um was this a long time in the making and it sounds based on the reporting of uh, another shout out to jason trier and like and all the work he's been doing behind the scenes it sounds like bungie have been pushing and prodding for this for a little while now um mm -hmm. because the the destiny 2 launch um it was good uh, by all metrics it was successful right um it's it, um it launched well it, it it had pretty good sales and a really active like fan base and then subsequently a, they got a lot of flack for um not having a good end game so people would, would would sort of rush through playing destiny 2 as they do to try and get to the end game content and then finding out that there's not really much of an end game i was one of those people like i played the shit through that game um like a week solid basically of just like hammering through I enjoyed the story. I know a lot of people didn't, um, and you know that is what it is. Like for me, I will lap up pretty much anything sci-fi these days. 
uh, and I but I really enjoyed the story. Um, but I did once I got to the end game, I was like, you know, what's my motivation for coming back? Um, and then mm-hmm. it felt like one big disappointment after another. Like uh, each one of the releases, um, the DLC content that came out, it, it just didn't deliver that sort of epic scale uh, of story that I was looking for. Like I was, I was thinking back to like, and I, I guess this is my problem, right? Like I was thinking, okay, well, the difference between Halo 1 and Halo 2. I was expecting like Halo 2 story to be mm. dropped as a DLC essentially yeah. for Halo, Halo 2 as well. Um, and that obviously that's not realistic in, like, in the time frame that they had. How could they possibly pro- I think to reach those expectations? Th- this, is, this isn't really a story about uh, games though. This is a story about companies and businesses. And I think that what's happening with Bungie is like, you know, for the longest time, well, first of all, they were like, you know, kind of a struggling publisher. I was I read an article about a Myth Fallen Lords the other day. Oh, yeah. yeah that's mm-hmm. an interesting game. Yeah. Um, six people. Six people made that. Um, but uh, they were like kind of uh, the golden boy of uh, Microsoft for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, frankly, it's astonishing that they even managed to continue being a independent studio microsoft must have tried to buy them many times because halo was the sonic the hedgehog of the xbox yeah. and they couldn't afford to lose that oh it's the golden um, egg yeah. Yeah. yeah but you know obviously uh, bungie was never happy with that relationship uh, there's like people at bungie who still wish that they were a uh, mac developers for god's sake yeah the, the very early uh, marathon uh, was mm-hmm. a macintosh game but the, um, the breakup with microsoft was very public it was very public and um it was felt similar to this situation in the sense that like they well they were overwhelming like bungie was overwhelmingly positive about breaking up with microsoft yeah. but it didn't really go that well for them well what i wanted to get at though was uh when uh bungie went independent again uh, re-independented and uh what they needed somebody like activision to be a publisher do the publisher jobs but since then Bungie has like only grown up mm-hmm. and I think at this point they are a company with similar prestige to somebody like uh, Blizzard or mm-hmm. Epic and you know do, do either of them even have a publisher I don't think they need them. no you don't need oh, well, you, you're talking about um, Activision Blizzard now like that's that's the other big that's the oh, other hot topic mm-hmm. oh is that a fact I didn't know that oh you didn't know that Activision yeah, Blizzard? Yeah, yeah. Well, there, there goes that. That's, that's how in the loop you are. Yeah. Okay. Um, that, that's yeah, the other, that's the other hot button topic. Is but that, um, Blizzard is basically sing. Uh, well, this is the accusation, right, um, from the from the community at large that when Activision got Activision got into bed with uh, Blizzard, they started to see a huge drop off in quality from Blizzard's products. Now, mm. I I don't know that. how much of that is really true or not, and how much of it is just like wishful thinking about um, Blizzard always being on top of their game. I'll say this: like I picked up World of Warcraft again a couple of years ago for the first time um, in like five or six years, and I played it through, and I still had a lot of fun with it. I was not obsessed with like um, you know uh, expansion packs and anything like this, so. For me, it was just nice to kind of go back to Azeroth and like just fuck around like and um, and play the characters again. Um, but one thing that struck me when I was replaying was just how a sense that I felt that you could pay to win, like you could gain that game. <laughs> um, no, I totally agree, and, uh, and I think it really put me off. This is one of my um, so I think that Blizzard was really at their peak with 
StarCraft and WorldCraft as like series. Like, I love the WorldCraft, and I'm actually really looking forward. I'm very, very, um, in terms of gaming news, I'm really fucking upset about. Uh, I thought <clears throat> the WorldCraft three, the WorldCraft three remake was gonna be coming out in like after Christmas. It's scheduled for 2019. Now it's scheduled for. Christmas 2019, yeah. not 2018. So yeah. that's like a whole year's time, and I'm like, all right, fine. Well, I mean, they announced it, and they still need time to make it. Well, but they don't. It's already made. It's a refresh of a pre-existing game, a game that I played ten years ago that I was really into. A lot more than ten years ago. That's um, a very old it's, game. It's, uh, wait, no, it's not ten years ago. It's fifteen years ago, isn't it? That's about so, right. Yeah. great least, game. At least great, great game though. Uh, I love that game, and I think that's when Blizzard's at their peak. Like, it's really hard to be good at Warcraft three or at Starcraft because it's, and so we're getting at is kind of what really makes me obsessed with video games is yeah. like the high skill curve like being good at warcraft 3 or super smash brothers requires to be that good at micro you just right. have to be able to have like a really fast reflexes and to just react to a bunch of information going on at once and three you gotta do that in about 10 milliseconds if sooner so it's just i mean it's a sport you know, it, it's fun to watch people perform at that level at the top of their game. And I was, I can still look at myself when I was really good at Smash 10 years ago. It's because I was younger back then. Like, esports, yeah. e like, folks were at the top of their game. You hit that peak in, like, mentally when you're, like, 17 to, like, 24. Beyond that, you get slowly slower and slower. You, you can't really be at the top of the game unless you're like right there. Unless you get really good strategizing and like psychological manipulation, which you can do, but it's not common uh, these days. I predict as uh, e-gaming becomes more like, I think I fully believe it's one of my theses, my Millennium theses, that e-gaming is going to completely supplant uh, physical gaming. Mm -hmm. And uh, e-gaming is going to be the sports of the future and it's on its way there well somebody's I mean, gonna have to replace football you know with everybody getting the brain damage. i think we're down i mean with the, the success of hey. fortnite i think we're on our way we right? are um, we are we we're, we're in the, we're what's so interesting about this transition between sports and esports is we're right there in the middle there it's occurring it certainly know? isn't it certainly isn't as laughable as it was you know five like five years ago. What do you mean? It's not laughable at all right now. It's, it's that's actually, what I'm saying. It, like it, it, it basically like if it's the other way around. Actually. If you had spoken, if you had spoken to someone um, who was like covering the NFL like five years ago, and you spoke to them about esports, they'd be like, "What?" Um, now, if you speak to someone about esports, like the first thing that jumps to their head is, "Oh, fucking Fortnite!" Like even mm -hmm. though it's technically, I, there is there are, yeah there are, there are a bunch of like um, I'm trying to think of like any major league for Fortnite right now, but I'm sure there's like a you guys can correct me in the comments. I'm sure there's like a bunch of like um, major e-leaks for, for Fortnite. Uh, I don't claim to be an expert on it. Um, I wanted to, because you were talking about um, uh, your, your, your sort of like desire to see um, the remake come out um, in December. I wanted to give another shout out to um, uh, another channel that I follow, um, Gamer Zach. Um, Zach spelled Z-A-K-H. 
um this guy is just awesome like he plays all of the old like city builders uh mm. like caesar cleopatra like all those like awesome uh awesome awesome things mm. um he did a random cover the other day that i i picked up um called loria um so it's an early i want to say it's an early access on uh, steam um or it's a complete game on steam either way it's on steam uh loria uh l-o-r-i-a um and it is exactly what you're looking for <laughs> um it will it will scratch that itch uh for sure um i watched him captivated for like 47 minutes playing this game um it, it is yeah it looks absolutely fantastic so if that's something you want to um if you're after some of the old old-fashioned like warcraft goodness and you don't want to wait until next year so uh, there's a how do you suggest picking up Loria? i want to so i want to you know i always like to take some time uh i think this podcast is particularly a good place to shout out some games you might not have played yet mm. so let me throw out a game that is uh one of my favorite games and it's called it's a south korean hybrid rts mmorpg and it's called guns the duel uh have you played have either of you I, played this game no, what platform is this on uh, PC. PC, okay, no. So, Guns of Duel is the fastest RTS you'll ever play. Uh, the level of micro is on par with StarCraft. I was going to say, that sounds like a... It is. It's on StarCraft Hellscape. <laughs> it's on par with StarCraft and uh, Super Smash Brothers. Okay. Um, if, you, if you're really good at Guns of Duel, you will have to macro at 12 to 15 actions per second. StarCraft is one of my favorite games. I'm a massive RTS nerd. Like, Fan, it's, uh, it, I do not claim to be any good at Oh, uh, Guns, uh, Guns is... very strange that we have never actually sat down and played some RTS. Like, those little LAN parties, I think. It's, I mean, sure. Guns is, I think, the best RTS of all time. It is by far the highest skill, like, cusp. Um... There are a couple things about the guns, uh, the dual mechanics in the game that make it particularly interesting. Yeah. So there is, so there are two things that bring the skill roof like basically the sky, and that's the ability to cancel maneuvers, uh, which Super Smash Bros. have and which Guns has, and then two, it's like uh, short animation times. So you got both those there with Guns Duel. You can, if you're really really at the top of the game. Uh, the other thing that's really cool at Guns of Duel, you can do wall runs. Mm -hmm. So they they basically ripped off a bunch of like Matrix maneuvers. And so there's this uh, there's one game that's in a city, and basically you can do like wall hops off like the like skyscraper buildings. Okay. And <laughs> that's insane for an RTS. So. Yeah, I'm trying to. I'm, I'm looking at. This feels like more like a first person. Like, well, it's a third, it's a first it's a third person, person shooter. It's a third person shooter. Yeah, it's it's an RTS. So when you shoot, you can actually cancel your shot animation by switching weapons to a sword, and then you can like go back to uh, your original How weapon. How is this an RTS? Well, it is an RTS. You have to shoot. You have to aim and shoot, but you also have to do that in real time. So if you so there's what's called a slash shot. It's where you take a shot with your shotgun, which is the most powerful weapon in the game. But this is an RTS. This it is, is an RTS. We're just oh, sorry, no, sorry, it's an FPS. I'm. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> we're... So if you were confused for the last like five minutes, cut, cut uh... the seg cut the segment. <laughs> it is. It is only an RTS in that you level up. I'm it's sorry. not an RTS. 
so you're always gonna get like the the natural like uh, state of, uh, of the of the podcast and banter. Uh, we can't always promise it's gonna be one hundred percent accurate. Sorry, it's an FPS. <laughs> Robbie, Robbie is an audio genius. He'll just like well, edit we'll out the he'll splice it out. Yeah, he'll he'll just like some... work in. So it's a really good FPS and. <laughs> No, it is, it is really good FPS. You can I, uh, wall you can wall hop in this FPS, and it's not an RTS that you can wall hop. Well, I mean, I feel like your desire to get it to bring it back to, to FPS is, has landed us um, quite nicely on the on the second news article of the day, um, uh, which uh, is the Call of Duty uh, fiasco. Um, did you guys look at this? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, like again, like microtransactions have have uh, have become sort of the bane. Uh, of the video game industry. Um, some people think that uh, they have a place uh, in video games. Um, some people say it should only be inside mobile games where they're essentially free, freemium uh, models where you don't actually have to pay up front for the game, um, but the game is supported by in-app purchases. Um, and I think the general consensus is that most publishers are getting so hungry to put them into, let's say, triple a $60 plus like um, console game purchases that they are starting to ruin the natural gameplay uh, in favor of forcing people to buy like upgrades. Now, this is not one of those examples because actually the, 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 the issue is that uh, <laughs> uh, Call of Duty is, is selling like a tiny red dot um, uh, as an in-app purchase or as an in-game purchase. And essentially all this dot does is like in your scope, like for your weapon, uh, it's like a little red bell, like um, mm -hmm. for, for your scope. So you can buy it and get like a little red dot. But does this mark the lowest that we have arrived at in terms of like in-game purchase? Because that, that's- I what, mean, it's we, a, we, we, it's a like, deep, deep lake. We, it's a deep like, well, there, you know. There's been so much coverage on this, but what yeah. I, I guess what, what I'm actually interested in talking to you guys about is like, do you think this is rock bottom? Like, do you think this is as far as we can honestly push someone to go to, to, so, to charge a game of one dollar, essentially to add like a red dot? To... I so Eric's played a lot of League, a lot more than I have, and I think that League is uh, actually one of the best places to watch this occur. And I don't have enough. I played a predecessor to League, which is Dota, um, but that was different. So I do know that one of the biggest complaints and qualms about League is. Uh, pay-to-play aspect of it well i mean i i don't know that there is any really i mean in league you basically pay for skins um and I you can pay for players too. Nope. oh oh okay all right that's that's an interesting spin so, so the way that it works is uh they have these uh champion rotations you can play a different character and like every week it'll be these 12 out of what is i think now close to 150 characters mm -hmm. um but really, I mean, for months, I uh, played this game and enjoyed the hell out of it without paying a nickel. Um, it was just fun. It was free. It made no sense. I finally got you know into the game enough that I started to have some preferences. I'm like, okay, here's a one that I really want to get good at. Um, so yes, it was like, I think, $10 to unlock the character to always have it available. But that's um, the thing, right? And then I became really good at it, and I probably sunk in the neighborhood of uh, $60 in uh, skins for that character. Um, now, 60 or 70 bucks for a video game, it's not bad. Yeah. Um, how much that's, that's not bad for you. But the, at the end of the day, again, what I want to come back to is that 
like it's about accessibility and affordability. It's not an issue for us who's at disposable income, but again, I think there's. But always... I didn't have to. Like nobody was like pointing a gun to my head. Like I think that okay, so the companies, the game companies, are uh, being very, very predatory. Like we all agree on mm-hmm. that. Um, and you know, rock bottom. Well, I you know, guess what? Next week there's gonna be some like even phonier. Um, Paid a paid upgrade that's gonna make the red dot look like a bargain. It's like half a red dot, right? <laughs> um, th- absolutely, without question, these companies are being predatory. Well, we have but to what a... we're not, what we're overlooking though, is the uh, players. Like, why do players let themselves do this? Like, right. why there is some like responsibility on them? And when you have something like, uh, say, cigarettes, like this is actually a very political issue. We there's a certain uh, the the libertarian side which is like let people do what they want and let if they want their lung cancer by golly that's their uh, that's their God given right and then you have the whole like no cigarettes should be banned because like you know the poor people don't actually know what they're doing they're letting themselves get addicted and they have these like predatory advertising uh, practices whatnot um, it, it's a classic political argument that we you know uh, we've been having for hundreds of years mm-hmm. um personally i think that the answer is simply in a generational change where you have a generation that grows up with this and thinks that it's okay to uh pay a dollar for a goddamn red dot you know when, when i first saw this on the news i wasn't even angry about it like i was just like oh that's kind of funny it's sure, like why not? it's a red dot <laughs> I think, uh, to, now i'm actually a little bit pissed off well, to bring it back uh you know simon this is a really good place for you to serve Talk about story of like you know you and Darren like Darren from what I recall had growing up he had all the consoles right yeah. and we all had those friends like that I was like you know for me uh, my phone like it was a not to throw you under the bus Darren yeah you know, yeah all love to you Darren uh, but I don't know when you I are, grew Darren. up I had a choice uh, and it was one console and once I got that one console it was like that was it like. And I'm, I feel very lucky that my parents even bought that for me in the first place. Yeah. I want anything else I want beyond that. Oh, I had to like cut some grass. I had to like, you know, do some odd job here or there as a 12 year old and, you know, somehow earn that money to buy that console, yeah. which I don't regret, but it's, uh, I think that's where it comes back. It's like, when you say that these publishers are being predatory, maybe, but that's one that's one side of uh the whole issue i think the other side of it is that like you're gonna see stratifications yes certain people are gonna play certain games because a dollar goes a lot less far are we we talking about like the kid in class who has like the designer jeans yeah exactly so that's kind of what makes fortnite i think so interesting and so important is that like well I might not be able to afford this video game or this video game, but I can play Fortnite and all my friends can play Fortnite and Fortnite knows that and that's why Fortnite isn't a fucking thing. I, I suppose, do, do we want uh, video games to go in the same route as, um, as Hollywood, for example? Like, Do we want budgets to become so exorbitant like that? They already Very are. few studios. Yeah, I mean, they, they are, they are, but indie. do... The, the one thing that uh, I suppose to a certain degree that Hollywood um, and maybe this is changing with like you know uh, straight to streaming platforms like Netflix um, but access to getting your 
film your movie as an indie onto like a screen that people can see it's still a much harder struggle than it is to be an independent game publisher and oh, totally. get your game yeah. onto steam it, honestly with the switch creation like even to get it onto switch like the curation on the switch store is like god awful it feels like anybody can publish a game on the switch um but that's another story for another time um so yeah. sony used to be very like um gatekeeperish about like uh what games they allowed on their platform i suppose they still are to a certain degree um and microsoft as well but um definitely like you know steam with Greenlight and everything you could you could put well, any piece of garbage it's gone it's gone down i think that's a really sad i think that is very sad is that um you know, not this is one place where I will be very, you know, shouting old man about it, but we really had a lot. If you picked a game off the shelf, the N64 or the Game Boy back in the day, you know you're going to get something, it wouldn't be perfect, but even the shittiest shit was like, it was mediocre. Well, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me put it this way like, um, Here's my personal like feeling on this, and uh, I feel this way because I can afford to feel this way. And I know not everyone is in this situation. I would rather play. I would rather pay a hundred dollars like base cost for a video game, not have to worry about um, uh, paying for season passes, not have to worry about like microtransactions in my game. Um, any other like monetization is gone. I'm, I'm just doing what the game publishers tell me that they have to now do in order to recoup the costs that they're losing out on because they're still charging $60. So can I, can I talk about an alternate route economically, which I actually saw happen and it was, you know... Well, the, I mean, the question to you guys is, would you, first and foremost, like, would you, if all that stuff was removed from the games, um, but the markup price changed from sixty dollars to a hundred dollars, no, would that no, would that make you happy? This is to a buy false a dichotomy. This is really a false dichotomy. Well, it's not because we're, we're talking about inflation. No, no, we're not. No, we're we're talking like the, the, I I have to. I'm not gonna completely disagree with you. I disagree with you so forcefully. Like I think it's fucking bullshit. You know, it. This is not. Um, there there are games that exist without that. Where uh, one of the video games I played most intensely when i was like a teenager was a game called maple story you yeah, know yeah. And you, you know all about maple story right and maple story got too successful for its own good in a lot of ways and for a lot of reasons but there's a sequel uh, now right there is a sequel well but the i i don't think the problem was uh the structure and that's kind of one what, what i want to get to is that Again, I think that uh, I've always thought cryptocurrency was really uh, kind of sketchy to me. But if there was ever a real um, use case for it, I think it's video games. I actually think that cryptocurrencies <laughs> are useless for most things. But MapleStory had a shadow virtual economy before cryptocurrencies existed. Like, I used to fucking sell. Uh, I would run bots and I would sell MapleStory currency with my botting accounts to make money as a 15 year old. Of course you did. We should have taken a bet on how long it would take for, uh, for Robbie to drop cryptocurrency into this. Well, I'm not saying that I like cryptocurrency. I'm just saying that uh, there is a world, and the thing is you don't have to even make it cryptocurrency. You can just say it's a virtual currency. And that really is the case. It's like a lot of games, you don't have to make it cryptocurrency. Mm -hmm. If there is a virtual currency, and people want to play the game enough and they want the things that you get from the game they're gonna start paying real money for the virtual currency mm -hmm. 
And at that point, you basically have a cryptocurrency, except it's much more useful than a cryptocurrency, and it's much less useless than a cryptocurrency. Mm -hmm. In a lot of ways, I think that Bitcoin was trying to imitate Second Life, Maple Story, World of Warcraft. I can, yeah, with the Second Life thing, I can definitely see that for sure. That was like um, decentralized, like personality, like that—that's what they were trading it on. It's like second life was all about, yeah. Like just, it wasn't about having a second life. It was just about just stop being you. Yeah. Like and come in and spend all your fucking time and money. All um, your time and your money, yeah. On exactly. our on our ecosystem, and then trade uniquely with like other people who are doing the same thing. And I don't hate, like, I don't don't hate second life at all actually like i spent some time like uh, playing it it's um it's intriguing i actually had a girlfriend who was like obsessed with it like um back in college um so yeah i mean that that whole ecosystem is like is, is super interesting well this i mean and, and feel free to you know uh take a sharp right turn if you want but this is uh something that i think is really interesting about this whole second life ecosystem and kind of the idea of gamers and civilization there there's a lot of uh think pieces being written right now about how um, a lot of men who otherwise would have been getting jobs, uh, they would have been uh, moving forward after high school and college uh, to be becoming independent people starting their own families mm -hmm. are instead retreating. They're not getting jobs. They're staying in their parents' place. And I'm not saying it's pejoratively. I'm saying it's the thing that's occurring and I see why it's happening. I actually don't blame them. I feel like and um, doing that. I feel like there was a point in my life where because of where I grew up in Plymouth, like I, I could easily have fallen mm -hmm. into that. Um, so, do you think that's wholeheartedly a negative thing, or do you think there are positive it's aspects? Not a I don't think it's a negative thing. I, think, I agree. I think it's I, agree. A, I think it's circumstantial. Right. I, I, I agree. I think um, if you have a family that uh, that loves and supports you and wants to boost you up, like the things that like good parents are doing is that they're pushing you forward. Mm -hmm. They're forcing you to to, to make. Uh, hard choices uh, and they want you to, to to live above even their own expectations for you mm -hmm. um, and I, I think we see this a lot with with gaming uh, culture like quote unquote where gamers get like we all get like thrown into the same bag which is like we're basement dwellers with no prospects like we do this because we couldn't get a girlfriend like and we, we have no social skills and you know, are there examples of people like that? Of course there are, but you could say that for any. Like, Sorry, I want to throw like a wrench into that loop. Um, I know, uh, not throwing salaries to my own horn, but I know a couple like legitimate, like bona fide rock stars who are more from the 20, like they're more from a generation that's more youthful than us. They play Fortnite all the time. Uh, they're much more famous than any of us are. They're yeah. like legitimate rock stars. Yeah. And they're hardcore gamers. So it is a generational thing. And I think it's really important that we acknowledge that. Like, Isn't like Drake like some like big Fortnite yeah. player? Or like he's, yeah. he likes Ninja or something? Or... Anyway, we're going to do uh, CES coverage for 2019. Um, actually, because there was a lot of like really fun stuff that was announced this year. Um, I want to start off with probably one of the coolest um, things that, uh, that landed, which was the... Um, ROG Mothership uh, laptop. Do you guys see this? Uh, yeah, that's that's laptop in uh, big old air quotes. What? Uh, how is it like a seventeen or a fifteen? So glad you did your homework, Bobby. Um, this thing is an absolute behemoth of a seventeen-inch like uh, laptop. 
um, but it's not a laptop as, as much as it is a as it was being described as a as a Surface Pro for um, uh, for gamers. Uh, um, this thing comes apart. <laughs> it's very uh, cyberpunk. Um, I think this is maybe the closest thing to what we expected uh, computers to look like when like uh, Neuromancer was a big deal. Yeah. Like, I'm not realizing I'm probably gonna have to like uh, edit in like footage of yeah. this thing. Maybe I should get one. It's really, really bonkers. Yeah. Um, it, it is, I mean, like the whole ROG uh, sequence is so nuts. I actually like it because it just doesn't, it's like really rude, you know? Yeah. There's nothing about it that's like pleasant to the eye from a design perspective. <laughs> they, um, it's just egregious and outrageous. But it's really charming because of that. It's very charming. And I, I kind of like, I appreciate it. It's like, I'm here, fuck you. So I this is be, actually I, like almost an affront to any left-handed person. This computer right. would be impossible for a left-handed yeah. person. The reason I chose this one over, uh, actually over um, Razer's new um, monster, um, because arguably that, that there is something exciting in there, but it seems to be more exciting about cable management than it is actually about the specs of the monster. Right. Um, is because I feel like this is something that I thought Razer would come up with. Like right. I. I Feel like Razer would have got here first. To do yeah, this. I'm really surprised that Asus came because Asus traditionally made their bread and butter out of being a, a manufacturer for desktop PCs. Yeah, you know they don't really have a brand for building like UX and UI. So this is really interesting to me because I thought if one brand is gonna get here first, what was gonna be okay, Alienware or Razer, right? In like the pro gaming like laptop industry. Yeah. I didn't think it was the ace, but really, in the past three or four years, they've made great uh, gaming laptops time and time again. Uh, here's the thing that I don't know. I know they're always good. The question is, are they reliable? And I don't know whether the ROG laptops are I mean, this is a, so this is a prototype, right? This is not actually a production-ready um, piece, although I think they're planning on doing it. Um, so as a lot of, like, stuff at CES, you have to take it with a grain of salt because it's not necessarily going to be like on on um, on shelves like next week. The thing that I, so my monitor is um, uh, ROG like Mod K monitor, like, and I've never had a problem with it. It's like been absolutely like on point. But have you but ever used- um... I've never used one of their laptops. Like mm. I, I've played with one of their laptops. I've never actually have to use it like seriously for, uh, so I don't know what their, integration reliability is like from what i hear they're they're clunky they're not portable but they are it looks like all the cooling is set up properly so it doesn't overheat this thing is um uh all, all cut like the die cutting for this thing was like insane like mm -hmm. um their cooling board uh which separates like the monitor from the from the hardware is a piece of art in itself uh and i think that's why because I, I haven't seen a necessarily like a final price announced for this thing but if there is going to be a final price announced i i can't imagine this thing is going to cost any less than like three and a half like thousand i'm trying to figure out who the hell this thing is for i mean like yeah it's it's, it's it for a uh, pro well, gamer no they're going to be using a tower basically no matter right. what I, so that's the is thing it for, like right. lan exactly. parties so nobody does people... that anymore have 
Okay. Who were the people that were buying the the razor blade like pros? And there were there were people buying there them. there were people buying them. I mean, like we were over at a freehold and a saw fellow with the seventeen inch uh, razor blade. Yeah. Um, he was using it as a cab. He's talking to ten eighty in that thing. Yep. Mm. I mean, he was so he that's was doing but you're cab. bringing up it a like, good point, Eric, which is that uh, there is a giant world of like basically who Apple has neglected. You know, the Apple laptop and workstation. The cheese grater used to be for this group of people. Now Apple's thoroughly neglected um, this core demographic for about eight years. So I mean, I would never dream of gaming on this thing. Um, I have my Razer Blade for uh, for gaming. Like, but, th- but this is my this is my production powerhouse. This would, yeah, this would be good for like if I wanted to like record a full band, right, or do some crazy three D rendering. Like I could see myself buying a machine like this and saying. Yeah, I'll like chuck this into my backpack and um, yeah, put it on my walking shoes, mm. you know, because it's gonna probably make me feel unpleasant carrying this fucking piece of shit. <laughs> uh, but when I take it out and we're recording, it's gonna be good because it's got juice. Yeah. This thing has got a lot of juice. Uh, this is the thing. Like for me, Apple will always be hands down the most reliable platform um, for, for creating on. Like I can, I can pick up um, my like my my MacBook and I can I know that it will do the thing I need it to do. Mm-hmm. Every single like, it's I'm gonna get I'm gonna get a lot of haters in the comments. But every single like uh, PC build that I've ever had, every like PC laptop uh. I've ever had, like has always had some kind of Microsoft based issue. And yeah, maybe I should run Linux. Like maybe that's the well, maybe that's the answer even, to it all. Even beyond that, it's just you know you really owe it to yourself to. There are two manufacturers for um, like non Mac laptops. I think have so much polish. I think so. The first is like Razer. Well, I would actually I wouldn't even put Razer in there because Razer has a lot of problems. If you want to use thing day to day, I think it's like so. The Microsoft Surface is pretty good. But far and away, number one is like, you know, the ThinkPad, right? Oh yeah, like, Lenovo like uh, has always traditionally knocked it out of the park with like, I, I suppose like vanilla reliability. For yeah, and to be honest, and if you're in finance, it's fantastic. Like I can do spreadsheets like no one's business. Well, even but. beyond that, take the Exxon Carbon, hook it up to an eGPU, you're good. Yeah, I've never, yeah. I uh, unlike you, like I've actually never really had any problems with uh, Windows. It's always worked fine for me. I've always mm-hmm. been able to sort You've out any drivers. Hater of Windows. Well, I mean, in the time we've known each other, but like I was definitely like you know DIY PC guy probably up until about two thousand four. Yeah. Um, but it's actually a story I've been dying to share for a while. I I'll share it some other time. Point is, I eventually found it to be just unpleasant. It wasn't nice, and if like this is what I'm going to be doing all day. You know, right. a nerd on a computer. I want it to be nice. We're yeah. using WSL. Excuse me. Uh, Windows subsystem for Linux. It basically lets you do anything you want to do Linux wise. I'm talking about like 15 years ago. Oh. Um. So no. Like so generally speaking, like I haven't since I got the Razer, I haven't actually run into any major issues. So the for me, the Razer has been like the most polished. Um, Microsoft experience yeah. I had, and I picked up the 2016 model. Um, I mean, here's a different like, way of. So it's, it's like it's packing like a it's packing like a 1060, but I have it hooked up to. Um, if, if you could the be Razer Core with it, the Titan X. If you could be doing your Microsoft is fucking like 
out of the park. Like it's he like there's a reason why Microsoft like hit the trillion dollar mark recently. Like it, Microsoft has recently um I've always thought they were limited by developers, 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 the bomber, but damn, they really fucking I spent uh, last weekend hanging out with a guy who writes the uh, power uh, management for uh, Windows over in uh, Seattle. That um, sounds like it's really nice. <laughs> actually does. Power management is one of the hardest parts of a laptop. It's, and traditionally, yeah. Apple has been the only manufacturer that's pulled it off without hitches. Yeah. But the thing I was about to say, though, is that uh, it, you doing your day-to-day -day job, Simon, the uh, design process guy. Um, design process if you were uh, given a choice between uh doing your work on this uh, macbook pro uh -huh. um or a 15 inch razor running mac os 10 what would you pick i oh, this is tough for me because traditionally it would always have been the mac um but this generation mac really fucked up with the with the touch bar i, I cannot stand the touch bar i, can't I love wait. touch bar bad I gpu cannot, as well i cannot wait to get rid of the touch bar They've, I, they've I've never always, had a I have no, always wanted exactly, exactly. I have always wanted um, an all-in-one laptop that could do all of it. Um, so if uh, just happened if Microsoft actually. actually ends up getting their shit together and um, the next version of uh, Microsoft, like uh, Windows, ends up retooling everything from the ground up, then I would give that a look. I think and I would give it a serious are, consideration. Uh, like, like why not just Hackintosh? If like if you like feel that the, strongly the, the, about it the, the because track, the, the trackpad is also exactly. like an irritation because the trackpad is like is unparalleled on the map yeah you can't hackintosh a laptop because all the hardware is fucked up and it doesn't play together properly you can you can hackintosh a desktop fine you can't do that with a laptop I so I, I was true. doing um you're uh, gonna hate it i've done that before it's so crazy. so for everyone like um i'm i'm to, in order for us to, to be successful at this podcasting and having to learn uh, or relearn a lot of uh, things uh, around video editing. So I'm picking up Premiere uh, Pro again for the first time in, in like 15 years. And some things have changed and some things surprisingly haven't changed at all. Um, but I, I think one of the, the, the big differences is actually looking side by side at the install instructions between Mac and PC. And it's kind of seamless on Mac versus on PC where you're mm -hmm. You're struggling with a thousand different codecs or like um, uh, uh, like issues for installing for like just random reasons. Um, so I love the reliability of like of installing software on the Mac. It just does what it's supposed to do out of the can. And when you're actually having to do it for work, that's nice. Like I'll, I'll give a lot more freedom when I'm gaming. I got more time to kill. So if a game doesn't install properly the first time, or I really want to like tweak it just so. I'm happy to spend that time on, on PC and doing that. But if I've got to do work, things have got to be there and they've got to be right. Right. Well, I was reading uh, somebody's account of uh, getting their uh, wife or husband over from a PC to Mac. And uh, so the person was like, I hate computers. And then just out of nowhere, I love my Mac. And because uh, they would try something that they thought intuitively should work, and it would mm -hmm. every time. That's, that is the beauty of it. I, I'm, yeah. 
I'm going to move us on because we, this has turned into a... Um, We're going to have to cut all this. Yeah, no, this, this is, is turned uh, into a, a Microsoft-Apple debate, which is not something this channel, well, this not we something are, this channel is about. Uh, we're, we're definitely running... <laughs> okay. We're about 90 right the, now. Yeah, yeah. The ROG looks really cool, and none of us would ever even imagine buying something like this because yeah. it's like, yeah. ridiculous. Um, quick shout-out to Alienware's uh, Area 51 um, OLED laptop. Because it's the first laptop that I can think of for video gaming with this kind of hardware uh, that's actually upgradable. So you can upgrade the CPU and the GPU. Nice. Um, so there's some actual longevity here. Like yeah, if you're into anywhere, it's like design, and you know a lot of people really are like they, they love that look. Um, you can actually get the chassis for once and upgrade the hardware as you go along. I yeah, but like, how far can it go? Because like, you know, every Intel generation has a different like pinout on their CPUs. What you can do is like, you can get like this with the low end CPU, so, and then get the high end CPU from the generation. For this in, generation, but in yeah. two um, years, you're not going to be able to get a state of the art. Shout CPU out to, to Linus Tech Tips because I believe that they're going to do like a full like strip down of that um, to cover that exact like uh, issue. Um, so I guess we'll we'll see. Uh, I don't know if the top of my and for, to, for, for what I've read to give a to to back out to you know okay. Uh, the vanilla producer, you've always been able to upgrade every IBM ThinkPad you ever have, and it's very, very easy. <laughs> it's starting to become a commercial for like ThinkPad. See, uh, no, I mean, I'm gonna, like, the thing I love about them is that you can just drop them and they don't get fucked up. Plug them in an eGPU. Like, my favorite thing, when I want a laptop, it has to be, like, reliable because. Mm -hmm. Other like I can always plug in an eGPU into a laptop. I can't plug in something well, that's gonna make it. Always like, be able to plug in an eGPU. Well, is, now you can. This is a fairly this is a fairly new phenomenon. Well, right. Well, that's why before I would have probably not entertained having a ThinkPad as a daily driver. And now, but. so the, I, I guess this is the this is the either the max stopgap or uh, appeasing the the, the base. Um, of people out there who are doing serious like video editing and work uh, or 3D modeling. Now that Macs support uh, external like GPUs. We got Thunderbolt. Is right? that- we got, we got the bandwidth. I, I mean, but now they legitimately support it, which they didn't before. Yeah. Um, but uh, last year, 2018, they, you know, they announced like proper clean like support for, uh, and even um, you know, listed a few like uh, stamp of approval uh, casings. I, I have a uh, prediction. Um, Apple is going to release a uh, thun new Thunderbolt display uh, with their uh, Mac Pro this year. I am. I think there's a reasonable chance that they're going to release a display with a built-in GPU. The, the other, like the other quick like things that uh, to give a shout out to is uh, AMD uh, Ryzen Seven. Um, this actually mm. looks pretty cool. I, I think um, AMD might have trumped uh, Nvidia. In fact, um, so I, I like the idea of like um, 1060 with, uh, or sorry, 2060 with, uh, with RTX. Uh, 2060 is a piece of shit, and I really hate the 2060 <laughs> because uh, the real problem. Tell, tell, the, us how you, tell us how you really feel. Uh, well, the, I mean, <clears throat> here's the thing the 2070 is great. Yeah. Uh, 2060 is a couple bucks less and much worse. Uh, you should just buy RTX 2070. Great piece of kit for the price point. You, there's no reason for the 26 to exist All right. except for en plus. enough said there you go there, there's our official uh, visible miles recommendation uh, skip the 2060 uh, RTX um, and do yourself a favor and just get the 2070 or the 2080 yes um, for your eGP big uh, this is something I actually want to try um, you know I'm a huge like Razer fanboy um, the Razer like hypersense is actually really interesting 
Mm. Um, I think a lot of people thought it was going to just be a stupid like throwaway gimmick. Um, probably because I guess like custom lighting still feels like a throwaway gim gimmick, and maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Personal taste, but the hyper sensor actually makes sense. Like, so if you if you're into like haptic uh, feedback um, and you enjoy your analog like controllers and whatever, and and you feel like the vibration is actually like a, a good thing, so Razer is like basically taking it to the next level. Like, um, they've taken haptic feedback and they've put it into all different devices. So like your headset, uh, your chair rest, like in, in the back and like under the arch of your back, um, your um, the your wrist uh, rest for your um, uh, your uh, keyboard and your in your mouse and from all the things I've read all the reviews I've read people who thought it was going to be a stupid gimmick are actually like singing its praises like saying this is this could be the next not big thing but the next thing that people start like waking up to and going I actually want this in my like I want this in my devices skeptical <laughs> very very skeptical i mean i think uh I mean, who doesn't love things that vibrate i think the neutral <laughs> thing that i would say about that is that vr requires a lot of senses to be there so uh as like the visual part of vr progresses we're gonna see the other parts for our senses uh catch up to them i i will say i don't think any of this is gonna matter until visual vr gets the point that it needs to be so do you do you think are you saying then that um hypersense makes sense for VR yes I think that's probably the main thing that I think it would make sense for okay and I just don't think that the visual part of it is there yet but uh, I'm, I'm happy they're exploring it again um, tell us in the comments below what you think actually uh, about this um, are you into the <laughs> are you into the 1060 2060 I'm, I'm, I'm never gonna get this uh, keep up with this 2060 for some reason it was easy to do 960 to 1060 just made sense but the 1060 to 2060 I don't know. It doesn't feel like it's uh, 1060 is a good piece of kit. 2060 is trash. Yeah. 2070 is great. 1070 is great. But, what do, you, but great. what do you think? Do you, do you think the because the RTX things, uh, you know, the ray tracing stuff, it's like it's, you don't need it. You don't need it, and I feel like um, if you're going to go as low as a as a 2060 for ray tracing, it's kind of a waste. No, it it really is a waste because the hardware is really shit, and the problem is Nvidia is. Selling that well, if for three fifty, like, so let's put this crazy like, to get like to get nuts. a little bit to get technical for a second. Um, Not worth three fifty. If you if you have the twenty sixty in your device, two eighty um, max, and you're actually you're trying to gain um, even at like HD, like you're you're taking serious fucking performance bumps. You are uh, it, like drop. You can, sorry, you can you can play it'll be below sixty fps. But if you like like if let, let's say like you pick up one of these like new laptops that have like four K support, or even like you you put your right. own tower together right. and like you have a four K monitor and you're like you're like let's do this. Doesn't but have enough. Someone tears. duped you into getting like an RTX like um like twenty sixty. You're going to drop like. Well, 20, 30 frames. Well, let's like, be for, let's for be just turning on RTX. Let, let's be honest about like how they compare. So Nvidia is doing this whole thing where like the 1060 is roughly equivalent to a 1070, mm. right? 1070 is roughly equivalent to a 1080. 2080 is 1080 Ti. So you've got this whole like, and they're all of them are more power efficient, mm -hmm. which is not really an issue because you've got a gaming tower. It, it is an issue for your gaming laptop. Mm -hmm. Right, so the 2060, I can see a very like narrow carved out niche for it, 
Uh, outside of that, I would say no, just go with the 2070. If you want to buy a gaming laptop, go all the way out. Yeah. Get something with a 2070, 1070, 1080, 2080. Don't get a 2060 in your gaming laptop. You're dropping over a thousand on this. So, Razer obviously offering uh, another big announcement from them is that they're um, the 15 inch uh, Razer Blade. Mm, um, right. is offering a variety of different upgrades to the uh, to the GPU. So mm. you can now push above the 2060, um, go 2070 or 2080, but... Uh, fine it's options, the, by the way. Fine options. Fine options. Um, Start there. But it's the mobile version, uh, <coughs> the, lap, the laptop version, not the not the desktop version. Well, so let me um, let me go and clarify for all you folks in the audience out there. The real problem with getting a laptop that has Indies built in is you're going to be limited by your north bridge so what's your north bridge right that is like the central nervous system of your computer so you're it's the medulla so your tower is going to have like much faster internal communication between your cpu your memory and your video card so you can take those three pieces and the tower it's way faster same piece of kit you put them in a laptop, the interconnection is slower because the technology's not there yet. Mm -hmm. So it's really important to keep all these things in mind. And again, just remember, you know, right tool for the right job. I know it's really, really intoxicating to think I can just have a computer as my gaming laptop, my desktop. But actually, it will work out cheaper for you if you get a decent gaming desktop and a portable laptop. Mm -hmm. And that was a good summary. Thank you, Robbie. Um, I, so I think this will uh, this is the end of it. Um, that uh, along with uh, Analog Pong, did you guys see Analog Pong? That was yeah. awesome. Um, and perhaps like the LG rollable like TV. Those are my probably my other two like uh, CES highlights. Reminds me of our times at Freehold. Um, so yeah, we we have drastically overrun uh, on our schedule, but it's our first ever podcast, so I'm going to allow it. Um, I would normally say that uh, we after news we will normally do a segment where we talk about the games that we've been playing this oh, week. Oh, let's just do it. Um, so just really quickly, uh, uh, Robbie, what, what games are you playing this week? Um, well, I think Hearthstone's the biggest one. I mean, that's the usual. I think in terms of games I've played, there's a really funny game. I'm forgetting the name of it, but I love it. Uh, it's a really simple game, and it's basically a cooking game. So, oh, Overcooked. Yes. Overcooked uh, is awesome. Love Overcooked. Really? I was, it, it, it seems like a uh, Mario Party minigame. It's so us. fun. It's, it's so, so fun. fun. It's really hard. It's, yeah. So I, I played the original Overcooked uh, on the Switch. Um, Huge fan. And it was great. I haven't picked up Overcooked 2 yet, but apparently it's even better. Oh, it's great. It's really great because I found it was so simple and I would keep losing. And I kept on wanting to play over again. It's like, oh, what if I do this puzzle this way? Would, would you say it's the roguelite? For <laughs> I mean, it's pretty close. Is, it the, is it the Dark Souls? of? <laughs> I wouldn't call it a roguelike, but I will say uh, I'm very, very satisfied with it. And I've really enjoyed playing it. By the way, that was uh, I've been trying so hard not to, 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 to talk about uh, Dark Souls, but there it is. There it is. We, we managed to drop it in. We got there. Thank you for everyone for making this happen. Um, uh, Eric, right, uh, Eric. What, what are you what are you playing? Uh, new uh, Super Mario Bros. Switch. You enjoying it? New Super Mario Brothers Deluxe Switch. Uh, yeah, I mean it's 
fascinating because I mean it's just Mario um, and it's not like different and uh, it's not significantly better it's just like perfect and uh, I, I do this is going to be like an entire episode one of these days but uh, this notion that I've been talking about endlessly for years of like the end of consoles yeah and like sort of a new Netflix style streaming future that's going to be really great because we have this problem of there being like some really awesome uh, games that are not playable in the modern era because they haven't been ported to the consoles that everybody has on their uh, systems. Like I could talk until I'm uh, blue in the face about how wonderful, uh, you know, Thief 2 was, for example. And I'm not being um, mistaken with uh, Thief. <laughs> sure. Uh, you know, Thief was good. Thief 2 perfected no, it. No, the, uh, uh, the remake. Oh, the remake. Oh, um <laughs> but yeah like you know nobody stops playing basketball because like nobody ported basketball over to a uh, modern court um you know the uh, game is timeless and um so a game like mario it is not innovative it uh, probably should not be innovative um because it is perfect and i it's you know, thank God it's finally on the uh, Switch. And one of these days, when we have our streaming future, this problem will be behind us. Mm. So anyway, I'm having a good time with it. Yeah. That's definitely a video for an entire year. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about the, the streaming services out there and what the difference is between mm. them and whether, um, you know, Xbox Game Pass, whether, like, uh, PlayStation Now, like, what, what is the what is ultimately going to be? It's just going to become political again because we're going to start ranting about uh, Actually, broadband in America. I, well, that, that's... Um, around the rest of the world it's a, it's a it's a pain point for a lot of people i think but like what is what is the model that makes the most sense consumer wise like what what's the best model for consumers but anyway we'll talk about that another time what are you playing simon uh thanks for asking uh what am i playing so i the 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 boring one is i'm playing uh skyrim again for the millionth time uh on switch and it's very boring um there's something about having it on the switch that uh brings a I dare I say a new lease of life to the game. It's just nice to be able to play it um, on the go. It's, it's nice. Um, but it's Skyrim, and Skyrim is Skyrim, and Skyrim is still full of bugs, and Skyrim is the same as it's been since Skyrim launched. Um, it's fun. It's immersive. Uh, it's It was trend-setting for its time. Um, but it At is, the time. It is Skyrim, and if you never played Skyrim and you own a Switch this is the time to pick it up and play it because it is a very faithful port of the original uh no frame drops that i've experienced no issues that i've experienced hot and I, take and i am 30 40 hours into playing it again so yeah yeah anyway skyrim skyrim a- is skyrim and 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 skyrim can and can be played on the switch and that's great all right we're hitting, um, we're hitting my hours. my actual the actual game i want to call out um that i've been playing um is something i picked up uh, several months ago um when it first came out uh played a little bit of it but didn't get enough time to continue playing it which is uh, nino kuni 2 um. uh, which is an absolutely fantastic game and if you guys are a fan of the artwork of studio ghibli um like houses mm. and castle etc um then this is the game for you because it mixes that with some of the best uh jrpg elements and storytelling that i think um, gaming has seen for a long time it's cute it's fun it's family friendly there's some base building in uh, nino community 2 which the original didn't have um it expands on the open world genre a bit more than uh, the original uh, it's just a lot of fun to play, um, and I'm really enjoying my time uh, there, and I would highly recommend it for anyone. 
Um, and with that, I think uh, there are just a couple of final things I want to say. Um, first of all, thank you for if you've if you've survived this long. Thank you for listening or watching if you're on YouTube or uh, whatever uh, podcasting platform you're on. Uh, we really appreciate you taking the time to to tune in. Um, this is something that. Uh, we are planning on doing every week um, and we hope this stuff is relevant for you and if it's not drop us uh, a comment uh, below and if it is also drop us a comment below <laughs> subscribe to the comments. Uh, comments are right there subscribe if you can uh, that button's like right there um, hit the like button it's we, right there we just have a we just launched a patreon uh, account um, you know it's there, uh, patreon.com uh, forward slash visible miles. You are there. Uh, if you want to be part of the family, like please, um, you know, you know, drop us a couple of bucks a month. Um, you'll see what perks are available there. Uh, those that list will be growing. Uh, there'll be more features coming soon. Can, uh, can Red Dot be one of the perks? The Red Dot can definitely be one of the perks. Um, we are, our main product is actually going to be launching on the 1st of March. Um, so. Uh, Eric and I have been working tirelessly in the background producing a brand new website as we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast uh, which will host all of this content uh, as well as like um, written news, reviews, uh, opinion pieces from people from all over uh, all different like uh, walks of life um, there's also an opportunity for you to join um, create an account, uh, comment um, give us your opinion like review games it's going to be like a database and library for games for publishers, for, uh, for developers we're going to do features as much as we can on like the like really cool um, people in the industry. It's gonna be badges. It's gonna be badges. Uh, you'll Ain't actually no stinking badges. Yep, you're gonna get uh, achievements. So if you actually take part in the community and you're actually you know you want to be part of what we do, um, we're gonna reward you. Um, eventually, they're gonna be t-shirts and other bits of merch as well, and that that'll be free for people who uh, meet certain goals within the community uh, and who help kind of get the message out there about what we do. Got an um, idea. I got an idea. We're going to have a uh, red dot badge and you get that for pledging us a dollar. There you go. We're definitely uh, we're definitely doing the red dot. Not for dollar because we would lose more money than we would <laughs> we would actually get. Well, it's a virtual badge. We would, we would what, do with this a virtual badge. Oh, you mean a virtual? Oh, ver okay. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. I thought I was, I was thinking yeah, lapel pl pins again. Pledge us a dollar and yeah. you get like some. Pinless. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. So there yeah, we're, de we're definitely doing the digital red dot badge. That, that's, that's day one, yeah. March 1st. Um, the in a couple of weeks time I want to do um, fan mail um, I actually had a couple of like you're being very optimistic oh yeah we had a couple of people on uh, Twitter this week actually uh, yeah. by the way we're on we have stuff on all the major social networks it's been going for a while um, and so yeah uh, if you want to join us there we're like uh, we're we're forward slash visible miles on, on every social platform so you can find us there um, and so, but I want to launch a fan mail piece, a Q and A. So write into us um, if your uh, question is interesting. Uh, we'll put it on air, and we'll try to do our best to answer it. And with that, that is the end of our uh, first ever uh, podcast for Visible Miles. I want to thank um, Eric and uh, Robbie for for joining in, um, and thank you guys most of all for for tuning in. Um, we hope to keep doing this, and um, see you guys again next week. This cheers is to all of you because, again, we wouldn't be anywhere without y'all.